0: I love hearing them sing. It's good when we can use the gifts that God has given us to grow each other, push each other towards Jesus. Whether it's gifts of singing, gifts of speaking, gifts of running a crazy sound system, all sorts of gifts that we can use. Today, not today, In my life, I go through periods of hecticness. You all live life. You go through periods of hecticness, too. This is a period of hecticness. I call it birthday season. We go from Christmas to Nancy's birthday, to Grace's birthday, to David's birthday, to my birthday, and then finally we breathe until July. Two months of crazy, Sugar rush, present giving and opening, chaos. Sometimes when I go through the season, especially towards the end of it, I start looking around the house and I say, what are we gonna do with all this stuff? It just piles up and I get these crazy ideas in my head that once I put the kids to bed, I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna bag them all up and I'm gonna sneak down to bargain box and then drop them outside the door. And to sleep, leave, and no one has to know. In my more sane moments, I, Maggie and I talk about having a boxing day where we go through with the kids, because that is the polite, kind thing to do, and we talk about what do you not use, and we'll put them in a box, and we'll give them to bargain box. It's a double boxing day. That will be when my life slows down. That's ever going to happen. No, it's not. Definitely not in birthday season. But maybe, you know, once May hits. But then we're prepping up for summer and then there's more birthdays and I'm just screwed. Why do we give gifts to each other? There are many different reasons why we give gifts to each other. I love the look in a kid's eye when they open up that present that they like, "Oh, I wanted that present." That look is amazing and I'm so thrilled to see it. I love walking up to the kids after they've opened it for the next few weeks until they lose interest in the gift and and they're enjoying that gift. So much fun. Whether the gift is something fun or something useful or something character building, it's a win when it hits all three. It's a lot of fun, I enjoy seeing the look, I enjoy seeing them use it. The Bible tells us that God gives us gifts through his spirit, things that he gives us that we get to use. Sometimes we talk about those gifts. Sometimes we don't. When we do talk about them, fewer times do we actually ask the question of why. When we talk about the gifts, we talk about the gift. But we don't talk about why the gift was given. Today, we're going to talk about those gifts. We're going to talk about the why. If you would read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, as we've been slowly going through this book. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. By the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another Distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines Today once we get done with this sermon Hopefully we will see that the Holy Spirit produces gifts in all believers to glorify God that is the one phrase that we can remember, and I'm going to unpack that phrase through the sermon. First, will you pray with me? Father, thank you for being the good God who gives us good things, who gives us what we need through our life, that we might serve you effectively, knowing our weaknesses and filling us with strength in the area that we need right then in order to accomplish the good good work that you've planned out for us. Thank you that you are the God who is with us. You don't just shove us on our way and say, good luck, but you take us by the hand and lead us along. Lord, we are so grateful for who you are and what you do, and it is a privilege to serve you and declare that you are my God, my Savior, and my King. Lord, as I am up here, I ask that I would decrease and that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. Amen. The Holy Spirit, that's what we're going to talk about first. The Holy Spirit. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul cares about this congregation in Corinth. That's why he's been writing this letter. He, he cares about them, and he doesn't want any small points of doctrine to fall through the cracks when you read this first verse it literally says now about the things of the spirit brothers and sisters i do not want you to be uninformed some translations embellish that and put gifts because that's what he's talking about the gifts of the spirit but it literally says the things of the spirit which is a little bit bigger category we are a non-denominational church we're not lutheran we're not methodist we're not catholic we're not any of these things we are a non-denominational church we invite everyone to come and study the bible because that is our focus the Word of God. And we want people to know the Word of God beyond a shot of a doubt. Unfortunately, like so many churches similar to us, we sometimes neglect the things of the Spirit very often because we're so focused on studying the Word of God that we don't teach the things of the Spirit. We don't pursue the things of the Spirit. Sometimes it's because the things of the Spirit worry us. We have a hard time with something that we don't see. We have a hard time wrapping our minds and our hands around it, trying to understand what this is because I cannot see it. Therefore, we put it over in a little closet and we say we're not going to open it up unless we need it. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, so let us not be informed. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, Paul writes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. The Trinity listed there in that passage. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Each person of the Trinity is completely God, as you see that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Son, nor is the Son the Holy Spirit, nor is the Holy Spirit the Father. They are three distinct persons within the Godhead, the Trinity. They have different functions that perform. We could talk about prayer. The Bible tells us that we pray to the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. The three different parts of the Godhead working together in prayer. This passage in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. It says that God works in us gifts through Jesus by the Spirit, the Trinity at work. Well then, who is the Spirit? The Spirit. The Spirit, as it says, is a third person of the Trinity. The Spirit is gifted to each believer on the moment of faith. Jesus promised the disciples before he died in John fourteen sixteen to 17, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This Holy Spirit God promised to give us will equip us to live the life as a follower of Jesus Christ. John 14, 26, another Jesus' teaching. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I said to you. Then again in John 16, verses 13 to 14. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Put simply, the Holy Spirit empowers the believer by giving life and by giving the ability to service. That's one thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit purifies It convicts this world of sin. It brings salvation to us. It sanctifies the believer so we don't just stay in our sinful ways. It's the one that's prompting us to say, change, 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 be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides and directs, uh, sorry, the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. It reveals evidence of God's presence. It reminds us of what the Bible says when we're going out in the community and we're wondering, what am I supposed to say to someone? And then a verse pops into our head that's the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. The Holy Spirit guides and directs God's people. It gives us wisdom of what am I supposed to do in my life? What what am I supposed to do? It's the Holy Spirit that directs us in our decisions. The Holy Spirit assures us that we are Christ's. It is our seal guaranteeing our salvation. So if, if we wonder, am I saved? The Holy Spirit comes and whispers, says, no, you are mine. You are mine beyond a shadow of a doubt the Holy Spirit that does that. The Holy Spirit teaches us and illuminates Scripture. I've worked with non-Christians in Bible studies, and and they're they're reading the Word of God, and they say, I have no idea what this says. And then one moment, a couple weeks later, they finally accept Christ, and they go back to that same passage, and all of a sudden, they understand it. The Holy Spirit teaches and illuminates Scripture. The Holy Spirit unifies believers. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can actually seek unity and seek oneness, that we can set aside our differences and our squabbles over small points of doctrine. It's only by him that we can do this and be one. The Holy Spirit gives evidence, stronger or weaker, of the presence and blessing of God on someone. And finally, the Holy Spirit gives specific gifts for the purpose of all of the above, We focus so much on the gifts of the Spirit, we forget that everything else the Holy Spirit does, that this is just one aspect of it. But we focus on it instead of all everything else. The Holy Spirit gives us specific gifts so we can do everything else the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Now, that whole list, I could give scriptural evidence of all of it, I don't have time. But if you want the scriptural evidence, come see me, I'll print it out for you. The Holy Spirit, that was the simple thing. This is the statement. The Holy Spirit is the first fruits and the guarantor of the full manifestation of God's presence that we will know in the new heavens and the new earth. The Holy Spirit gives us a taste of what will be. And boy, once we get that taste, we want eternity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. Now does God, who makes both us and you, stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Gives us a taste saying, this is what eternity is gonna be like. Therefore, live for eternity. The Holy Spirit is given to everyone who believes at the moment of faith so he can do all these things in us. Jesus promised that in the verses of John. We see the fulfillment of this throughout the book of Acts. And in the epistles, we see evidence in our own lives. Everyone who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ has seen the evidence of the Spirit in their life. The Spirit is someone we can rely on to do all that he was promised to do. Now, we're gonna narrow down our discussion of the Holy Spirit and all that he was promised to do down to one specific aspect that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Holy Spirit produces gifts in us. The Holy Spirit produces gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, talks about those gifts. It says, Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy to another, distinguishing spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. In this passage, Paul lists nine gifts of the Spirit. We could turn to First Peter chapter 4 and get a different list. We could turn to Romans chapter 12 and get a different list. We could turn to First Corinthians chapter 1 verses 4 to 9 and get still a different list. There are some overlap in these lists, but there are some things in each of these lists that are not in the others. And then, if we wanted to be, you know, do our due diligence, we can combine all these lists into one unified list. These are the gifts of the Spirit. But if we looked at all these lists and combined them into one list, we wouldn't get them all. Because there's spots in Scripture where it says simply, the Holy Spirit gives this gift. And lots of people don't put that on the list, like celibacy. Nowhere in the gifts of the spirit list that I see does anyone put celibacy on there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says celibacy is a gift of the spirit. But no one wants to talk about that one. Paul, Peter, and the human authors of the Bible never focused on giving a comprehensive list of the gifts of the spirit because there is no comprehensive list. There isn't. I appreciate how the NIV translates this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each gift is a manifestation. It's a showing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is a result of Him working in us at a specific period of time. He gives us a gift that is what we need at that period of time to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. Now, as I said, the lists of the gifts of, or manifestations here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are not comprehensive. We can't go through and say these are the gifts of the Spirit because all throughout Scripture there's a whole bunch of other ones. I would not be a good pastor, though, if I did not spend some time going through this list since it is here. So I'm going to briefly discuss them, um, and then in May we're going to dive into some more of them because he revisits them in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to go give a brief description Um, maybe clear up some misconceptions and false teaching about them because some people take things out of context and just grab these terms instead of reading around what is going on. Um, But like I said, it's going to be brief, very brief. And I'm going to dive into some of the more controversial ones once we hit 1 Corinthians 14. In this list, if you read them, you will see that they come in pairs. A lot of people don't talk about that but they're listed in pairs because the body of Christ never works separately. We need each other to follow Jesus. So these pairs are given because we're working together to complete what God has called us to do. So let's briefly talk about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about the message of wisdom. The message of wisdom, what is this? Uh, Throughout 1 Corinthians and most of Paul's writings, whenever Paul talks about wisdom, he's talking about the gospel, He's talking about the gospel because the gospel is the wisdom of God, he says. Literally, the gospel is the wisdom of God. So throughout 1 Corinthians, he talks about the, gospel, the wisdom, message of wisdom is the message of the gospel. So God gives people gifts in, at a specific time in order to share people, this is the gospel, and be able to tell it clearly. None of us are really able to do it on our own. We're scared stiff to do it. But when God brings us at a point where we can share people this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gives us the ability to do it. Other word in scripture, it tells us that. It talks about the message of knowledge. In Paul in 1 Corinthians, this is the message of how to live according to the gospel. It's the focus of the book. All of Corinth, Corinthians is how do we live according to the gospel. Everything for Paul goes back to the gospel. It's how to reflect Jesus with our lives. And Paul says anything that detracts from the gospel or how to follow Jesus with our lives should be thrown out. So God gives people the ability to say, this is what the gospel is. And God gives some people to say, this is how we live according to the gospel practically in our lives. He talks about the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the ability of those in a community to believe God and how he is working. That's what faith is. To believe that, yes, this is what God is doing, and I believe he is doing what he's doing. Specifically in 1 Corinthians, it is, uh, it is how he's working to heal someone, which is the next gift, the gift of healing. Sometimes, God works through the prayers of one person and the faith of another to heal the third. God miraculously works in that way, to heal someone. We pray for them. We've had things in our own congregation where people come up and say, I am sick, and we pray for them, and that week, they're not sick anymore. God heals them. That's his hand at work. The gift of miraculous powers that could be considered healing, but there's so much more in this. God works through the prayers of his people. Throughout history, we have recordings of people praying and God sending rain, people praying and God withholding rain, people praying and well bubbling up in a, water bubbling up in a well, all sorts of things. I was down in Texas working with international students. We had a retreat, we brought them to a, a ranch, they got to ride horses, do canoeing, all these sorts of things that they've never done. They were in awe, like they get to be a cowboy for a day. We told them we can come out, you know, all expenses paid but you got to sit in some Bible studies. And most of these international students were non-Christians. They said, fine, we'll sit in a Bible study, no problem. I get to ride a horse, I'll be in a Bible study. Totally. Well, we were there at this, this retreat, and we were looking the day that they were going to be able to go out and ride all these horses and do all these fun cowboy stuff, rain was coming. And it was going to ruin the day. And they would be, have a bad taste in their mouth about Christianity and everything, because they were forced to sit and study the Bible, and they couldn't do the stuff they wanted to do. So we prayed. Uh, and we kept watching the weather map. And the storm split around where we were. In the evening after everyone went to bed, it collapsed and rained. God works. God works. Sometimes we get so focused, though, on the flashiness of this miraculous stuff that we, don't, that we forget to be in awe of the normal miraculous stuff that happens, like waking up and seeing the sunrise every morning. Sometimes we get so in awe of God healing someone after we pray for them that we forget to be in awe of the fact that, you know, my kids had a fever this week and it could have gotten worse. They could have died, but it di- they didn't. And that was God's hand at work. We get so awe of the flashy that we forget to be in awe of the normal, overday, everyday gifting of God in our lives. There's the gift of prophecy. Sometimes that can be more controversial in some people's lives. Scripturally, prophecy is speaking the message of God. That's the definition of prophecy. We speak the message of God. Prophet, throughout scripture, if you look at them, they confronted the world. Whether the people in the world were followers of God or not, they confronted those people about their lives. They told them what it meant to live godly, and they told them the consequences for not living godly. Sometimes the prophet used future predictions to prove the truth of what they were saying. They said, okay, you don't believe me, let me give you a sign. This is gonna happen. Therefore, and that happened, you better believe that God's gonna judge you because of your sin then. They used the future predictions as the sign. The focus of the prophet was never the future, biblically. The focus was always the present, calling people to follow God. That was the focus. The gift of distinguishing spirits comes along with that. It's parallel with prophecy, just like faith is parallel with healing. This is for those who listen to a proclaimed prophet to know whether this prophet is actually speaking according to the Holy Spirit or not. There's a lot of false prophets in our world. There are a lot of people who stand up and say, thus says the Lord. And there's a lot of Christians who follow them. But there's some other people who have the gift of distinguishing spirits who say, that one's not from the Lord. We need, we need to have both. And then there's speaking in tongues. I'm going to explore a lot more of this in depth in 1 Corinthians 14 because it's about prophecy in tongues. In First Corinthians 12 and 14, it seems like tongues can be defined as a language of the unconscious, but a language capable of consciousness. The speaker who speaks in tongues does not understand what they are saying, which is why the next gift is given, the interpretation of tongues. And I'm going to leave it at that and we're going to dive more into this in 1 Corinthians 14 when we have a lot more time. Of Why is this gift here? We can say this is what it is, but why is it here? And we're going to talk about that in 1 Corinthians 14. Three things to note about these giftings of the Spirit as I get more and more academic. Anyone need to do some jumping jacks? Okay. First thing is i got to talk about sign gifts. There are some people that place miracles, prophecy, and tongues in a category marked sign gifts. In Acts, these gifts, you can can chart them, they were all given to provide proof to the message of the apostles and the missionaries that the gospel was real. There were people that would say, I don't believe the gospel, and this would happen, one of these sign gifts, and they would say, oh, wow, the gospel must be real. Some churches believe that sign gifts ceased after the New Testament scriptures were completed and their authority became established. It's interesting, though, that these sign gifts are seen around the world today, in civilizations that do not have a generally received version of the Bible. They don't have a Bible that they can study, they don't have a Bible that they believe is true, and God is using these sign gifts to prove that the gospel is true. We could talk about this issue more when we discuss 1 Corinthians 13 on March 19th. Secondly, gifts are not static. Gifts are not given to someone permanently. Some churches believe that the Holy Spirit gives each believer gifts at the moment of salvation, and those gifts remain throughout their life. And biblically, we cannot say that that is true, nor experientially. The Holy Spirit gives manifestations to help a believer at certain periods of their life to do what they're supposed to do at that period of life. You might be able to pray for God to heal someone one day. And God does, you see the healing. Maybe not that day, but the next couple days, we see the healing. And you pray for them another day, they don't get healed. God worked, gave you a gift. But then he said, No, I'm going to give you a different gift to use because this is for someone else. You might be able to teach at certain parts of your times of your life. I know some people who are amazing teachers at a period of life, and then they weren't able to teach anymore. God took that gift away so that someone else could step up and use it, and they could then turn and do something else. Gifts are not given to someone permanently, it's given to, to us at a specific time so that we can do what God has called us to do. Third, gifts are not self-proclaimed. Nowhere in the Bible does someone get up and say, I have this gift, and you must acknowledge that gift in me. Nowhere in the Bible is that there. Gifts are always, consistently throughout Scripture, you can study it, we can study it together, it's always recognized by others in the church. Someone else in the church says, I see this gift in you. Use it for the glory of God. Other times, someone uses the gift without even knowing that they're using it. But that's how God works. He does it to bring the church together and to glorify him. The Holy Spirit produces gifts. Okay. This first half of the sermon has taken way longer than I expected it would. It goes without saying that the Holy Spirit only gives these gifts for manifestation to believers. The Corinthians meant farther than that statement. The Corinthians said that only certain believers had the Holy Spirit because only certain believers manifested the gifts that the Corinthians cared about. The things that they cared about were the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, and the speaking in tongues. And they said if you didn't have one of these three gifts, you didn't have the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, no, that's not true. That is not true, he says. Unfortunately, there are several churches who still believe that the way the the Corinthians do, even though 1 Corinthians clearly says that is wrong. There's several churches who still believe that. They believe that if you don't manifest certain gifts, and uh, today a lot of the gifts that they talk about is tongues. They say if you cannot speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But according to Paul, that's wrong. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, he says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distribu- distributes them to each one just as he determines. The Holy Spirit distributes different gifts to everyone as he determines it. Everyone has him working in Him, getting different gifts, but it's him distributing them. You might say, well, how do you know then? How do you know that everyone has the Holy Spirit that, and that everyone has these giftings? Well, it's because if we are saved, we have to have the Holy Spirit working in us. Look at the first several verses of this chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians 12:1 to 3, Paul says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the first two verses some other time. Let's focus in on verse 3. The phrase, Jesus be cursed, or Jesus is cursed, is a Jewish phrase. We can see it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ redeem us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. We can also see it again in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23. It's instructions for people. You must not leave a pole, body hanging on a pole overnight, someone who's crucified or impaled. Be sure to bury it that same day, because anyone who's hung on them is under God's curse. Those who said, Jesus be cursed, were not cursing Jesus in this verse. They were stating a fact. They were saying Jesus is, was cursed, because he hung on the cross. That is the fact. Jesus was cursed. It's the truth. The Bible says that. The thing is, Anyone can say Jesus is cursed. Anyone can say Jesus died on the cross. It takes no faith. It takes no belief. Anyone who is a student of history can look at history and say, yes, Jesus died on a cross. Anyone can say it. Anyone can attend church. Anyone can declare themselves a Christian and confess that, you know, I know Jesus died on the cross, but that confession does not mean that they're saved because anyone can say that Jesus lived and died. Anyone can do it. It is only the confession that Jesus is Lord that we know that someone is a believer. It's only that. It reveals the state of someone's heart. It's a triumphal statement of faith that Christ is exalted over a hostile world. It is a statement that Jesus is our savior and our God, our only hope. Romans chapter 10, Paul says, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Paul says that the confession, Jesus is Lord, can only be done by the regenerative and sanctified power of the Holy Spirit. and It is only by him working our lives that we can be saved and declared that Jesus is my Savior and my God, my only hope if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, that our hope is Him alone, if we're able to declare that Jesus is our God and our Savior and we're not trusting in our works, we're not trusting in our church attendance, we're not trusting in our prayers, we're not trusting in our baptism, our confirmation, our family's faith, nothing but Jesus alone, that He is the name above every name and before whom all the world will bow one day, then we're showing the presence of the Spirit in our life by able to do that. If the Spirit is in our life, it will produce gifts in us, Paul says. The Holy Spirit produces gifts in all believers. We finally get to the purpose of those gifts, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. The Holy Spirit creates in us these abilities so that we can help each other. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches that teach the. Gifts of the Spirit, and the focus is on the gift, kind of like Garfield, taking a present, rattling it, saying, I wonder what's in this. I wonder what's in this. I really want a certain gift. What's in this? I hope this one's mine. I hope it, hope it, hope it, hope it. The focus is on the gift so often, then once we unwrap it and we say, oh, look at the gift that I have. Yay! Look at my gift. Look at my gift. I love my gift. The focus is on the gift. But scripturally, The focus isn't on the gift, the focus is on being a gift. It's not, look what I have, but it's, look how I can help. How can I be a gift to you today? God has given us abilities, things that we can do so that we can turn around and work for the good of each other and the good of the community. So instead of waving our gift around, trying to draw attention to ourselves, we are called to push ourselves down and work for the common good. On the flip side of those who wave their gift around are those who have the gifts of the Spirit, because all of us have them we have, we have the holy Spirit in us we 've placed our faith in Christ, we have the holy Spirit in us he 's given us a gift to use for the common good, and we 're not using it. We feel nudges by the Spirit, but we ignore them we 've been approached by fellow Christians in our church to help in certain ways that are needed, but we 're uncomfortable about doing those things and we might even use the exegetically false, the unbiblical statement, that's not my gift! Unfortunately, when we do not respond to the call of the Spirit, whether the call is through our conscience or the call through the church, someone's not being helped. The Spirit has given every single person in a church gifts to use for the common good. Every single person, every person, he's given me gifts to use for the common good and if I do not use my gifts to help someone, that person will not be helped. God has given me the ability to preach and the gift to do it and sometimes I do it really well. Sometimes I do it mediocre but he's given me a gift to use but if I wake up one Sunday morning and I say, you know what? I don't feel like doing it. Who's going to do it? (laughs) Brooke, (laughs) yeah. Yes! (laughs) He's given us gifts to use. And if we don't do it, who will? Because God has given you a gift. He's given you a gift to use to help someone else. And we shouldn't push it back. How selfish are we to sit back and refuse to help someone who's needy because you know what, that's not my gift. Even though if God is calling us to do it, he will give us the gift to do it. Or perhaps you know the phrase, I'm not comfortable doing that, but if God has called us to do it, he'll give us the strength to do it. Or you know, I don't have the time, but if God has called us to do it, he will give us the time. Whatever excuse that we wanna give, The spirit that is indwelling us and calling us to serve. There are multitudes of excuses we give, give, but they're just excuses. Not only are we being selfish when we do that and say, you know, I don't want to do it. I know I'm being pushed this way. I know I'm having this draw that I need it, but I don't want to do it because of all these things. Through these excuses, we are declaring that we do not believe God to be who he is. He declared that he would equip us for our tasks that he would give us manifestations of his presence in order to help those around us. But if we selfishly refuse to trust him to help us, we are declaring that he is a liar and the Holy Spirit is not truly God. That was harsh. I didn't want to say that. Oh, goodness. Oh. When we trust in God believing that he will produce in us gifts to do what he has called us to do, he's glorified. Because through our actions and our words, we cannot help but declare that what is happening is not because of us. It's because of him working in our life. Because if it was up to me, I would say that's not my gift. If it was up to me, I would say I don't have the time. If it was up to me, I would say I'm not comfortable doing that. But God did it through me. There's sometimes I preach sermons and people come up to me and say, My goodness, that's exactly what I needed this week. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit working. And I cannot stand up here and declare that what I do is because of me. It's because of God working through me. As the Holy Spirit works, Jesus is glorified. That's the ultimate sign of the Spirit's activity. As soon as the attention comes off of Jesus, it stops being his work. Because the Spirit's goal is to exalt Jesus. There are some people who who get caught up in the gifts of the Spirit and they forget the end result is exalting Jesus. They do. But whatever takes away the exaltation of Jesus, even if it might appear to be a legitimate expression of the Spirit, begins to move away from drawing people to Christ and becomes a pagan fascination for that which is spiritual. It's very tempting for us as humans to start to worship the creation of rather than the creator. I think about Romans chapter one, verse 25. Paul writes, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. We as humans are so messed up that we are able to take even the manifestations of the spirit, these gifts that are given for the common good, and begin to worship them instead of the God who gives the gifts. Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, he did a whole bunch of miracles. And he said that these miracles are a sign for those who are living in Judea that he is truly the son of God and through him salvation comes. That's what those miracles were for. And people were following him, wanting to see a miracle. And they were getting all hyped up whenever Jesus made a, a someone who was paralyzed walk or made a blind person see or healed someone who was sick. And they're like, wow, yay, Jesus, go, Jesus, go. I love it. Woo, look at how amazing God is. And then Jesus turned to them and said, Follow me. Leave your family. Leave your country. Leave your wealth. Follow me because only in me is there salvation, not in your religious system. It is in me. And immediately when he called people to follow him, they left him because they were following the manifestations of the spirit and worshiping those signs instead of worshiping the God who created them. And unfortunately, too often, We get caught up in worshiping the signs instead of the God who's calling us to use them. There's an outpouring of the Spirit going on at Asbury Seminary down in the Tennessee, Kentucky area. There's been a, a chapel service that has not stopped for over a week as people are going and praying and worshiping. It's exciting to see. It's exciting to see kids' hearts turning back to God. Asbury had a revival back in 1970. Same thing happened then. The result was, after weeks of this happening, college students got together and said, you know what? We need to tell people about Jesus. And they spread throughout the United States, these pairs of college students preaching the gospel. They didn't stay in the chapel. They went and said, my focus is on Jesus and I want people to know Jesus. So I know something's happening going down to Asbury, but I want to see what actually happens. Is it people who are enjoying the feeling of a spiritual high or are they actually going to turn around and have their lives changed by Jesus and go and beg other people's lives to be changed? God forgive us for how many times we worship the gift, we worship the spiritual high instead of the God who wants us to worship him. He meant these for the common good and for his glory, but we have often denied both by either not using them or by exalting them over our God. When used correctly, these gifts always point back to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of gi- service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. God says, I've given these things. Glorify me. Use them for the good of each other. Don't focus on them. Use them. Glorify me. And to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit be glory, now and forevermore. Amen. The Holy Spirit produces gifts in all believers for the glory of God. Next week, we're gonna explore those gifts more and discuss how all these gifts are created to promote the unity of the church. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your goodness that you give us things that we can use in order to serve you. That you realize that we are lacking. You called us to live a life that images you. You've called us to go out and spread your gospel, call people to live according to truth and to live holy lives, and we are inadequate to do that. We're inadequate to say that, yes, we believe the Bible is true, and therefore you must believe it. So you've given us these gifts to help. Lord, thank you for your wisdom, and I ask that you would teach us as a church how to use these wisely for your glory and for the common good. Thanks, Father. Amen. Take your hymnals and stand and turn to number 327. 327.